the following program may contain adult situations and language that may be unsuitable for younger listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Live from the RTDS studios, this is Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, proudly sponsored by National Fitness Training, with your host, Chuck Basti. Chuck's personal mission is to introduce the world to the people that motivate him on his inspirational journey into his world of infinite mojo. Here's your host, Chuck Basti. <laughs> That's me. It's Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. We're going to have to do a really quick intro because we've got so much great content today. You know what? we got Gabe Polsky coming on. He is the writer, producer, and director of the premiering film Red Army about the former Soviet Union hockey team. There was some pretty stellar players for the Soviets. You know, they're the Elite Five, and we can go on and on and on, but you know what? I'm just going to defer to Gabe. We're going to talk about the movie, the process, and a little tidbit about Philip Seymour Hoffman that you probably didn't know. There's something about a plane, too, which we'll get to. Yeah, Putin's plane. We're, we're going to hijack Putin's plane on the radio. <laughs> All right. Grab a coffee. Grab a beer. Grab something. We'll be right back. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on Listen Up Talk Radio. Hi, it's Paul Capricante, host of The Vinyl Experience, with a couple of magic numbers for you to remember. This is real simple. Are you ready? Here we go. Nine and three. Every Sunday at 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 9 p.m., and for good measure, 3 a.m. on Monday. This is all Eastern Time. Your time's for The Vinyl Experience. Chuck's world of infinite mojo, 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 mojo. Yeah, we stole that. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Chuck's world of infinite mojo. So we got a really, really special guest on today, and I'm really excited about Gabe Polsky. He's director, writer, and producer uh, in the film industry, and he's actually come out with a brilliant documentary. Um, I'll say even revolutionary to some degree because it's just that it's it's groundbreaking. I think. I praise. I praise. It really is. It's it's not a story about hockey, even though hockey is the tool, uh, but it's really a human interest story about something that we don't really talk about at parties, which is the former Soviet Union, okay, and the way they used to beat our ass in hockey. Uh, from time to time. Once in a while. Yeah, and we've got a first-hand view of what it's like to go behind the Iron Curtain 25 years ago uh, in Gabe Polsky, who was the director of the uh, premiering movie uh, Red Army, which comes out in Toronto and uh, Vancouver on January the 30th and Montreal on February the 27th. And uh, we're lucky to have Gabe with us. Gabe, are you there this morning? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us right now. Listen, Gabe, I want to talk to you about the, the concept of the movie Red Army that you came up with and ask you how you got to the process of saying, I want to fly over to the former Soviet Union, uh, meet with uh, Fedosov, and uh, I know you, you try to meet with Tikhonov and all the, the usual suspects of that game um, and, and, and shoot this movie. Yeah, well, you know, my, my parents are from the former Soviet Union. They're immigrants. I grew up in Chicago. I was a very competitive hockey player. And, you know, when I was a kid, I was about 14. Um, you know, I got my hands on a VHS tape 
1987 Canada Cup where Soviet Union played Canada. And to me, it was like a religious experience. I couldn't believe what I saw on the ice. It was like, you know, creative revolution. I, you know, we weren't taught that way in North America to play that style of hockey. And I was really baffled. I was wondering, you know, why, how come, you know, we were taught that they live in such oppressive conditions, but what we saw on the ice was so incredibly creative and open and improvisational. And on the other hand, you know, we, we in the, North America play kind of a more aggressive, confining game that's a little bit more linear, dump and chase style of game. And I was really, I was really baffled, and I wanted to know more about my heritage when I saw that. And uh, you know, so I did some studying and and you know, reading and and uh, re- saw that that the story was was much bigger than hockey. It was really about the the rise and fall of the Soviet Union. It was you know, about the Russian people, the Russian soul, and about friendship and betrayal, and had all these elements, but I didn't know the details. So I had an opportunity through family connection to, to uh, basically interview a lot of these players that are going to be there at the same time. It was somebody's birthday, actually, Vladislav Tretiak, who's the famous goaltender. And, you know, I had a very short window to, to, to potentially do this, and I just decided to to basically get out there and you know, get 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 a crew there and uh, and sh- start shooting. And uh, Slava Fetisov, who who became kind of the main character of the film, which I didn't know at the time. Uh, you know, I was trying to get to him, and he he wouldn't basically answer my calls. And then finally, he answered my calls and uh, and kept saying, "No, I'm not interested. Please, you know, stop calling me." Then finally, on the last day of the shoot in Moscow, uh, you know, I got a call from him, and he said, "Okay, I'll give you 15 minutes." And so I took those. I took that as an opportunity, and uh, you know he showed up and was. You know he's a defenseman. He's a rough guy. He's, he, abrasive. You know, he's just, abrasive. A little bit intense, but you know inside he's really soft. And um, that that first interview lasted five hours, and it was the first of three interviews. Wow. And, and he really opened up. He told me he'd never spoke to a journalist or filmmaker kind of like that before, and opened up like that. So. So that's how it happened. You know what? What I was really impressed with is, <clears throat> as as the director, you're interviewing. And for those who haven't seen the movie, I've, I had the opportunity to watch it at the TIFF Festival when it premiered. Uh, so we got to go in with Scotty Bowman and Wayne Gretzky and <clears throat> a lot of dignitaries from the Hall of Fame that were there. A big red carpet event. And it went extremely well, and uh, the reviews were amazing. And everyone that I went to the movie with was was really amazed at the story because even players that I went to the the premiere with who had played against these guys like Mike Gartner in the '87 Canada Cup had no idea about what you actually shot on video with uh, Fedosov and Kasatonov and the Elite Five and the KLM line and the human interest level that you brought to the story, um, you you were able to really garner, uh, not only with the relationship, but your, your questions which really broke a lot, like Cassatone, if you made him cry, or, or he cried on, on air. Wow. So you really touched some deep chords there, which really transcended hockey, which to me is the real power of the movie. So when you're interviewing these guys, my question to you, Gabe, is how did you get to that core to have them resonate to get to places that they, as hockey players, probably wouldn't have got to, uh, or as men probably wouldn't have been able to allow to feel? Yeah, I mean, I think I caught a lot of these guys by surprise. You know, they they didn't know what they were really getting into. They they were told that this was just you know a hockey movie, kind of about Soviet hockey. And you know, I never intended it to be that way. As you said, you know, I wanted this to to, to reach a much 
wider audience. Hockey is kind of a niche, it's typically kind of a niche sport, and, and even though it's one of the major sports, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a movie about hockey. It's really about, you know, the, the human soul, about humanity, about people who, who sacrifice so much and, and, and paid a huge price for the success that they had. And it's about an era that, you know, that, that existed that a lot of people don't know anything about here in the West, about how they lived in the Soviet Union and, you know, what life was like there, you know. And, uh, you know, at, the, at its core, it's just a really emotional story that, that, you know, people come to me after screenings. It's not the hockey fans that come up to me. It's people who, who, who don't care about hockey or sports. They come up and say, wow, I didn't know anything about that. It's just incredible. It's incredible. They, and they comment about the sport of hockey, how, how beautiful they played. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. But to answer your other question, I mean, how did I get – the uh, you know the depth out of these guys. I mean, it's just something that that you have to sort of intuitively feel out, and and and, and you have to your intention. You've got to get something out of these guys that's interesting, you know, because that's what makes you know movies interesting is getting something unique and, and 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 that you don't see often, and kind of catching the audience off guard as well as the the interview subject. You know, and that's a great point because. I think when you're going through this process and, you know, making a movie, you know, that's a great word for it is, is process. So you got the result that you wanted. The movie is going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to the launch of it. Um, but what I want to talk about right now is the process that you went through as the producer, writer, director of Red Army. And let's talk a little bit about what happens to you personally on a personal level, because I think for most people who are listening, uh, who are viewing the movie, they're going to get the message of the movie. But let's talk a little bit about the plight of how you had to get there in order to get this to the screen as well. The obstacles you had to face, overcome, produce, finance, because you're really caught in a niche market between a movie about a former Soviet Union that no longer exists uh, which is tied to Russia, Canadian content, you're an American uh, citizen, and then having to finance this to see who really benefits from all this and what obstacles you had to go through to get through that. Yeah, yeah. So so basically, you know, when I, like I said before, I had a short window to, to kind of decide, that, you know, to, to kind of get a crew together and shoot, shoot a lot of the material. And, you know, I, I asked, a few of the usual suspects, the HBOs, the, the ESPNs, and everybody said no. no ever, you know, I think people were just, you know, Soviet Union hockey, it's not something kind of uh, they saw as broad or, or particularly interesting. But I, I really had a, had a passion, you know, for this story. I kind of knew where I was going to go. I didn't necessarily know how I was going to get there. But, but uh, you know, I, I just was so passionate about this and about what I wanted to say about and about you know this sort of era that that I had I had sort of a confidence about the story, but nobody else really uh, believed in it, and uh, you know so I just had to kind of go about it and take a lot of the risk myself and raise some money, and it was it was uh, it was tough and stressful, and you know there's always making a documentary, the process of it is grueling and and and, and can be very stressful because oftentimes. You know, you don't have a script, and you're you're just hoping that you get enough great material, and you're able to have the sense to put it together in the right way, which is also difficult and, and, and you know 
tedious. There are, there are days, there are times where just nothing's working, the story's not quite working, and, you know, I don't want to make movies that are just average or good. You know, I want to make movies that blow people away. And to, to do that is just, you know, takes a lot of time and patience. And, and you know, you got to get a lot of feedback from people, make sure you're going in the right direction. And like I said before, I didn't show this film to, to sports fans or, or hockey fans at all when I was doing the cuts of this movie. Not until I was almost done with with editing the film. So I would show people who who don't know anything and make sure that the story really resonated, you know, yeah. aside from the hockey you know, and all that. So so that was that was one strategy I had. And then afterwards, when I finished the movie, it, it, you know, I ran into similar pr- problems. Even though I finished the movie and I, I felt it was incredibly strong, it, it, it wasn't like everyone was jumping up and down to... to to buy this film, you know, and the Sony Classics, they're, they're an incredible uh, distributor. They, they win Oscars every year. They're just incredible. Tom Bernard and Michael Barker uh, saw the film and, uh, and responded to it, and the film got into Cannes, Telluride, Toronto, New York Film Festivals. It, it was unanimously uh, embraced by the critics, and now it's become kind of a pretty big thing, and you know, it could have easily gone the other way, and that's pretty stressful, but I think people realize that, you know, when you see the film, it's a very powerful, very powerful movie. So inside so. of all that going the other way, what it could have gone, <clears throat> which it didn't, um, what was the one inside inspiration that you had internally that made that go so that way you persevered, that you went through the walls of... Um, doubt of people saying that this is not what we want to do, all the no's that you got. What was the inspiration that pulled you through that process that, you know, made you make this movie and make it great? That's a great question. So, you know, I I, I have some people around me and, you know, my family and also, uh, you know, my girlfriend and Werner Herzog, who's a huge inspiration, you know, and, and, and also a little bit of experience, you know, this isn't the first movie that I've made. And, and, and you see that, you know, it's not always, the, the, the movie industry is not always, you know, a just industry. And, you know, the best <laughs> movies aren't the ones necessarily that get the most uh, publicity and, and awareness. And, and uh, you know, that's just how it is. And sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. But you know when you make a great movie. You know when... You show a movie to people, and, and it really has an effect on them, and, and, and that's the best you can do. The rest is, you know, a little bit of luck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fortunately for, for some other movies that I've made, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't necessarily get as much luck as you need. And, and this movie, kind of, I, I went straight to the end and, and happened to get a little bit of luck with Sony Classics, and, uh, and it just sort of uh, bounced my, my way. Well, I think you make your luck. And there's one thing I want to talk about as well, just before we have a couple of minutes left in the show. Um, so when I'm in my seat after the TIFF Festival premiere of, of Red Army came out, I was watching the credits, Todd. And as the credits rolled down, you got hockey player after hockey player after hockey player that's being acknowledged. And the one name that really sat differently inside of the middle grouping, and I don't know, if Gabe, if you did this on purpose or not, but was the name Philip Seymour Hoffman. 
Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell is there a hockey player out there near, near Philip <laughs> Seymour Hoffman? <laughs> why would he use that name? And then after the premiere was over, we went back, um, and I actually got the chance to meet Gabe, and I actually asked you this question. Why was Philip Seymour Hoffman in your credits? And I want to give you the opportunity to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, th- I, I haven't been asked this before by a journalist, but... Yeah, he, Philip Seymour Hoffman was, uh, you know, I, I got the chance to work with him a little bit on a, on a project that we were developing, and uh, he, he, was, he was just incredibly encouraging, more so than maybe anyone uh, that, that I've come across in the film industry. And he just, you know, I, I would talk to him every so often, and, and he was just incredibly encouraging and, and, and positive and, 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 like, the nicest guy, you know, and... and you know, in the movie industry, there, there's very few people that offer their help and, and you know, are, are encouraging like that. And, and I wanted to honor him because he was so, you know, he made such an impact. Even though I didn't, it's not like he was like my great friend, but he, he every time, you know, he, he was incredibly encouraging. And I hadn't at that point really done very much. And, you know, I, I wanted to honor him just for being, you know, such a such a nice guy to me and, you know, encouraging because there's just so few it's so important it's not just you know people in the entertainment industry but coaches and you know anyone who's encouraging it really makes an impact and you know that's one of the things i wanted to say with my film with tarasov who who is the great soviet Mm -hmm. hockey coach that encouraged creativity and had this great philosophical approach you know those are the kind of guys that we need you know coaches that encouraged creativity and, and, and push it along and evolve the, the sport and and not guys who, who you know who only think for themselves and want to take credit and, and are just you know <clears throat> difficult so that that's that's the answer and I think that you know as people we'll are we're always gonna have dark days and we have to you know be responsible for our state and how we show up but you know, the fact is, back in the fall time or the springtime last year, Philip Seymour Hoffman had some pretty tough days. And the fact that he actually reached out to you, Gabe, and gave you that encouragement to me just means the world to me. Because you don't hear stories like that very often. And I'm really glad I get the chance to ask you that question. Hollywood's that. all about competition. And this is really the anti-competition with yeah. him reaching out and saying, what can I do to help? You know, and the fact is, the movie's going to... The movie's going to be great. It is great right now. I'm really looking forward to seeing it for the third time when it comes out. <laughs> On January the 30th. Uh, Gabe, I want to thank you for being on the show. Before we go, I want to ask you a quick question. I heard from your publicity uh, team that you actually hitched a ride on Vladimir Putin's plane. Yeah. So, you know, I interviewed Slav Fetisov uh, in Sochi. Um, there was like a big uh, event. I actually, in, before that in Moscow, I was supposed to interview Fetisov, but he told me I, that he couldn't do it. So I flew all the way out to Moscow. And Fatisov said, no, I can't do it. I said, well, what do you mean, why? And he said, oh, I'm going to Sochi. I, I've got to, you know, Putin asked me to go. I've got to, you know, do something there. And so I said, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll go out there too, and I'll meet you there, and, and we'll do the interview. And he said, okay, fine. So I met, met him out in Sochi, got the interview done. And after the interview, I said, Slava, I don't. I don't have a way to get home because that you know we. This is all sort of a last minute trip, and you know I've been flying all over the country to go interview the guy, and so I. I said, "How are you getting home?" He said, "Oh, I'm getting going on the presidential plane." I said, "Well, can I? Can I come with you?" And so he looks at me like I'm crazy, 
And then he gets on the phone and talks to, uh, I don't know who, uh, and then he hangs up and he says, oh, you see what I can do? You're going to come on the, the presidential plane. And so I went on the presidential plane. He, he, he said, don't, before we got on the plane, he said, look down, don't look at anyone. Go straight to the back of the plane and don't talk to anybody. Wow. And so that's what I did, and I ended up getting a ride back to Moscow in the presidential plane with all the, the basically all the legends of, of uh, Russian hockey. And it you couldn't incredible. talk to anybody? No, I didn't because <sighs> he, you know, he told me I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Hey, don't get me wrong. It's nice to get a ride, right? You know, yeah, it's, it's nice exactly. to get a lift with your thumb out and you know your hand in your pocket. But when you're sitting next to legends of hockey, like I would have went Rain Man in that backseat of that plane, Todd, because I just would have went, oh my God, there's there's Trechak, there's, yeah. there's, there's Mahailov, <laughs> everyone. Yeah, they were all there, every one of them. Uh, quick question about Boris Mahailov. Uh, so your movie takes place from the early '80s, starting forward into the break of the Soviet Union in '92. Oh, so actually, late '70s, it, yeah. you know, and some of it a little bit before then, but then, yeah. But not so much of Mahailov, and he was the captain right. before Fedosov, but uh, wasn't so much on the movie on Boris Mihailov, was that uh, intentional or is you just covering the KLM line? Yeah, I mean, you know, Fetisov was sort of the main character or or window into the story, and obviously, you know, he didn't play that much with Mihailov. And, you know, I I just tried to focus the story. Again, this isn't a story about, like, you know, Soviet hockey history. It's, Mm -hmm. It's really kind of a personal story, and you can't... You know, there's a lot of amazing players in the Soviet history, but, you know, I had to focus the story, and, um, you know, he, he just wasn't an important part of it, of this story. And I think the, the, the really amazing part of the timing for you over there is since uh, you did premiering of the first shooting of material, uh, two figures in the Soviet Union in your movie are now deceased. Uh, one is uh, Krutov, and, uh, and, of course, uh, a couple months ago, I guess, uh, we lost uh, Tikhanov. Yeah, and there's another guy, too, this guy, Igor Ramashevsky, who is a, a defenseman who was in the movie. He was the one with, where the woman was behind him with red hair, and he, it, he was sort of a weird. He was talking about the bears. and. Oh, yeah, 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 with the, the little girl. Uh, no, 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 it was a, di- a different guy. Like, uh, yeah, he, he, he's, the, he's the guy in the office. Um with the woman with the red hair. It was like a weird scene. But anyways, yeah, there's three guys. I think the timing on side is Russia, like... you know, I don't know. People sometimes, they just kind of die, and you don't know why. <laughs> they just kind of die, Todd. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, Gabe, is there anybody that you want to thank or acknowledge or just throw a shout-out to in your crew that was uh, instrumental in, in helping you get to where you're at right now as a person, as a writer, director, producer, uh, that you want to take time just to acknowledge? Yeah, well, the the you know there there's a one of the executive producers, Liam Malloy, who who works with me, who who's been a huge help, and you know Jerry Weintraub and Werner Herzog, and um, you know all all the people, the editors that worked with me. I mean, this is like you know you spend a lot of time with these guys in the room, and you know you get into you get into some arguments and all that, but it's. It's all, we're all kind of happy now that the films, you know, come out so well. And the composer, Chris Beck, who's from Montreal, he did a tremendous job. He, the music is just great. The film. 
Someone just described the film as a grand opera meets wow. hockey. <laughs> Let's, you don't hear that every day, Todd. No, yeah. Ballet, maybe, but. I want to know what the first thing is that you're going to do um, when you see the movie premiere and you kick back after the movie, you go to your after party, you say your hellos and your goodbyes, you come back and you sit in your chair. What's the first thing that you're going to do uh, to celebrate that? Well, we had an amazing, I mean, I got to be honest with you, the, the Toronto Film Festival premiere was, was pretty damn big. It was it's in huge. Ryerson Theater and it's Wayne huge. Gretzky and Scotty Bowman and all these guys you guys were describing were there. And, and we also had one in Cannes that was huge and Fatisov was there, the red carpet, all that. I went through kind of all this major festival premiere kind of activity so that that's kind of all done, but it was it was honestly, and then we did one in there was one in Moscow, the opening night of the Moscow Film Festival. There was five thousand people at Pushkin Theater. I mean, it's like it was a whirlwind thing, and I just I don't know. There's there's no feeling describing it. I mean, it's almost equivalent to kind of you know scoring kind of a, a big goal when when I played for Yale, or you know, it's just it's just a great feeling. I mean, you, you just you, you you feel like you've done something and people really were emotionally responsive to it and, 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 and appreciated it and, and learned something from it. You know, there, there, there's, there's nothing like that feeling. It's even more so than playing hockey because you've really left a lasting impression yeah. on people. Measurable. You know, and they can watch it over and over, whereas hockey, just one play it happens, it's done, and, you know, big deal. You know, this is like... This, I never knew that I was going to make kind of a contribution like this, you know, um, in life. You know, I, I had no idea. I thought maybe I'd be a hockey player. You know? <laughs> we all did. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So what's, what's next for Gabe Polsky? I mean, what's your next contribution that you're working on right now that we're going to be looking for in the future from you? Because uh, you've got some big shoes to fill from this, from this film. Yeah, I've got, I mean, I'm, right now I have a few things, the two, two scripts that I've written that are based on, on novels that are exceptional, that, you know, pieces of material, I think. Um, and then another documentary, but I just, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's going to come together. You know, a lot of stuff is, uh, I'm going to work as hard as I can, but, you know, you got to get the, the money together and see what happens. So The process. I just don't know, what, I don't know what. But I'm 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 really pushing, and you know I want to keep making great movies that leave a leave a, an impression on people. Well, you certainly have done that with this movie, Red Army. It comes out in Toronto and Vancouver on January the 30th, Montreal February the 27th. Kate Polsky, thank you very much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time, and best of luck to you with Red Army and everything moving forward with you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. It's been fun. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on Listen Up Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Out of this world. To 
Chuck's world of infinite mojo, or as we like to call it around here, whatever the hell's on Chuck's mind, on radio that doesn't suck. If you really knew what was on Chuck's mind, that's what we're here every week to find out. Inquiring minds want to know. Yes. Well, that was pretty stellar. You know what? I'm really, really happy. Um, i got to thank Brad Delgarno for giving us the tickets for the TEF premiere to see Red Army back in September because that movie was great, and uh, I'm really happy to support Gabe Polsky in his movie, and I'm really looking forward to the reviews coming out to see how uh, Canada receives this movie because when we were at TIFF at the Ryerson Theatre, it was just packed. I mean, Kresge was there, Bowman was there. Um, all the usual suspects, and um, you know, we sat behind Daryl Sittler, and everyone just loved the movie. So it's uh, you get a different take from the players who actually played against those players back in the day of the objectivity of I never knew that. Yeah, it's probably pretty cool for them to look at it objectively. Yeah, and, and not only that, it's just such a great human interest story. Even if you don't understand hockey or the game of hockey or the mentality of hockey. You'll understand the the gearing of humanity when you watch this movie. It really sheds a different light on um, the human spirit. And I think that's the best way to say it. I just have to say in closing that I'm a little disappointed because when you said he was hitching a ride, I thought he'd be up under the wheel well or something, you know, kind of <laughs> strapping himself KGB, to the bottom. Like well, you know. Yeah, like with the guns and the but he actually had a seat. Yeah, in the back. In the back. And he wasn't allowed to talk to anybody, so oh, that was yeah. that was funny. You know, we had some great stories. I'm really glad we get to talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, that's a great. I, that really touched me when I heard that, especially after the passing of uh, Phil, how he left us, and uh, really inspired me. We haven't told anybody yet, but you got a Facebook page now for the show. We do. It's uh, Red Army Movie uh, on Facebook. If you want to go to Twitter, it is Red Army Movie, and uh, Gabe Polsky is at G Polsk. If you want to get him on Twitter, and if you want to catch me on Twitter, I'm Chuck Basti and Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on, on Facebook. Facebook. Brand new yeah. Facebook page. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll catch you right back here next Tuesday at 8 p.m. with another interesting human story, right? Or maybe sports. Not sure. It varies from week to week. Catch you next week. Thank you for spending time with Chuck in his infinite world of mojo. If you'd like to get in touch with Chuck or Todd, the email address is feedback at radiothatdoesntsuck.com or call the feedback line 866-269-6155.